to the Holiday Survival Podcast. My name is Erin Billings and I am your host. The holidays can be the most wonderful time of the year or they can literally be the worst. My hope is that this podcast series will be a resource for you to not only survive this season, but thrive. Over the next couple of weeks, we will be sharing episodes on everything from how to navigate relationship challenges to how to set boundaries with family, friends, and colleagues. We will also be talking about how to find joy in new traditions and why prioritizing your values during the holidays is important. I hope you enjoy the show. We are back on the Holiday Survival Podcast. And while I do not have children, I have many friends that do. And one of the common topics of conversation with those friends over winter break is, what the heck am I going to do with my kids being home for the next two weeks? I'm going to pull my hair out. And that, my friends, is why I've invited Kate Garcon to join me on the podcast. Kate, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Let us know who you are and what you do. Thank you so much. So as you said, my name is Kate Garcon, and I am a GPS for the parents of toddlers through teens. I'm a parent educator and a parenting coach, and I focus on helping parents solve frustrating behaviors and raise great humans by looking at relationship building, understanding development, and skill building. I love that. And the use of GPS, well played. Thank you. (laughs) So I've heard the term body budgets, and I know that that's something you speak about pretty frequently. What does that mean and how can body budgeting be used to help set up the family for success? That is the million dollar question. So a body budget is actually not a term that I came up with. I can't claim the credit. It's from a psychologist and neuroscientist, Dr. Lisa Feldman Barrett. And she uses it to talk about all of the systems that your brain has to run. It has to allocate resources. It has to allocate glucose and hormones and neurotransmitters because your brain predicts what's happening. And then it has to allocate those resources in case you need to run from a saber-toothed tiger or in case it's time to, you know, go to sleep and heal from an attack from a saber-toothed tiger. (laughs) <laughs> so that's sort of where it came from originally as a science term. It, it's um, related to allostasis. Mona Della Hook is a child psychologist who connected it to behaviors in children. Hmm. So I've taken it a step further and I use body budgets with parenting. As I said, I'm a parent educator and a parenting coach. So my clients are the parents of children as young as infants all the way through young adults. And in so many ways, children's behavior, teenage behavior, is related to their body budget. So I'll give you an example that is very holiday themed. So if you are standing in line at the mall and you are waiting to get a gift wrapped, your your body is going to respond differently to what is happening around you based on your body budget. So let's say you had a really good meal in the food court and you had a good night's sleep the night before. It's not too crowded. The Christmas music is not too annoying. You just had a really pleasant interaction <laughs> with the person who sold you the gift in the first place and you just donated money to like a Boy Scout who is, you know, saving that money to buy toys or tots for Christmas. Your body budget is really balanced. 
So that long wait in line is not going to bother you. You're just going to hang out and maybe daydream about the you know food you're going to make or the gifts you're going to buy, whatever. The opposite of that is if your body budget is depleted. You're rushing around after work. You haven't eaten all day. You really need to pee. The salesperson was crafty and you're standing in line and you're listening to a Mariah Carey Christmas song for the 10,000th time, your body budget is depleted. So that weight in line is going to be really hard for you and you're going to find yourself annoyed by everything that's going on around you. So that's sort of the... Like my life. <laughs> that's a picture, you know, that 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 I I paint when it comes to you know body budgets over the holidays. And the thing about the holidays is, you know, especially when you have a family, it's the cooking and the baking and the shopping and the wrapping and the decorating. It's also the kids are off school, and so you're trying to juggle your work schedule with keeping them cared for and occupied. But even more than that, for a lot of parents, the holidays mean seeing your own family. And that comes with its own stress because a lot of people are choosing to parent differently than their own parents. So not only are they going to a place where they maybe have some unresolved issues, things that haven't really been sorted through or healed, but they're also trying to protect their kids from the judgment of everyone else around. Why is your kid acting that way? Why isn't he eating everything on his plate? Why isn't he hugging great uncle Frank who smells like tequila? Like there's all of these, (laughs) there's so, so, so much to it more than simply just buying presents and, and going to see people. So we know that the brain is a predictor of things to come and it allocates resources accordingly. So as the grown-up, when you've had all of these experiences with the holidays being stressful, then your brain is allocating resources toward better fire up that nervous system, better get in fight or flight, because it's not a saber-toothed tiger, but it is Aunt Mildred, or it is your mother-in-law, <laughs> right? So it can feel very similar to a jacked-up nervous system. Can I quote you on that? Please do. (laughs) But then that's being spread to your kids because their mirror neurons are picking up on all of your stress and worry. And then your kids have their own stuff that they are worried about, right? And, you know, that is really related to who they are as people and what is comforting to their nervous system and what is overwhelming, right? For some kids, Christmas carols are amazing. For other kids, they are fingernails down a chalkboard. Right. For some kids, eight nights of getting together with friends and family for Hanukkah is the best thing they can imagine. And for other kids, it's a nightmare because it's different smells and different tastes and different people and sleeping in a different bed. And there's all of these different things, you know, sensory processing. It's super overwhelming. So, you know, we're having a body budget that is balanced sets everyone in the household up for success throughout the holiday season. That is my long-winded answer to your question. Well, I love it because, like I said, I'm not a parent, but even me as not being a parent, this is making sense because as a child, I had a single mom growing up and 
I could sense her stress. And so I think the perfectionist child in me tried to make her life easier. And I think that's a common response that children have whenever they are feeling their parents' stress. And so this is a really great way to explain it. And now it's like, okay, where do we go from here? So what are some common things that make the holidays stressful for parents? Well, it's the it's the things that have to get done. It's also the perception of what has to get done. And mm. something that I find really interesting is when parents either make their humans or acquire their humans when they're really tiny, then the parents are the ones making all the decisions. You know, they're the ones who decide what's getting eaten and what activities are happening and where they're going. And they just sort of pick up the tiny humans and, and bring them along. If you become a parent right. when you know, the kids are a little bit older, you know, adopting or fostering or becoming a, a step parent or a bonus parent, then they tend to come with more opinions. But it's super easy for these parents of littles to sort of think like, well, this is how, you know, our perfect holiday season is going to go. And then they keep thinking as the kids get older, well, this is a tradition now. We did this thing last year. We did it the year before. We need to keep doing it. And if we don't take into consideration the humans we actually have in the home, then something that is a tradition that doesn't necessarily bring value to the family or bring joy to the family, it's just something that's draining the family, you know, does it really need to continue to, to be a tradition? And it's something I encourage parents to do is really each holiday season, reevaluate. Reevaluate who the humans are in your house, the te- their temperaments, their personalities, their sensory profiles, what you know about them now. The longer you have them, the more you learn. And look at what the holiday season should look like for everybody right. in the household. You know, what are the family's values? What are each person's priorities? And really collaborate on like, what are we actually going to do and what are we going to let go of? You know, how are we going to get through this season in a way that feels really good for all of us? I love that. I hope all of you parents out there listening are going to take what Kate is saying to heart. Maybe whenever we were children in that kind of age range, it seemed like what you said about, well, the parents just make the decisions. I feel like society is changing a lot right now. And they're thinking more along the lines of, you know, what's best for the kids versus what's best for the parent. And so that's something, the way that you framed that, I love it because each individual kid is different. Each individual kid has a personality of their own and we want to celebrate that, but that can also create challenges whenever it comes to keeping the peace. So what are some strategies that parents can implement that will encourage each person to be themselves and to celebrate being unique, yet maintain some sort of peace and calm in the house? That's a great question. The goal is to have a household where everyone feels safe, right? And I don't just mean objectively safe, right? Of course, the kids are objectively safe. I mean, safe at like a a nervous system level. So their brain 
that is constantly seeking safety can actually rest in the comfort and stability and security of their home and their um, family attachment. And the really cool thing is that when everyone in the home can be their authentic self without worrying that their attachment to their caregivers or parental figures is going to be damaged in some way, people automatically behave better because the stress that parents uh-huh. feel comes out in them maybe being more short-tempered or you know having a little less patience. Maybe they're not sleeping as well. For kids, that stress comes out as behavior. They can't say like, mom, I'm feeling really rushed right now. We've done three different activities today. My body budget is drained and I could really use some downtime. They're not gonna say that. They're just gonna melt down in the middle of the toy aisle. So this is also also really true for teenagers because teenage brains are going through a huge transition anyway. So something that your 11-year-old was on board with last year, your 12-year-old or your 13-year-old may not be on board with this year because it just doesn't feel good in their rapidly changing brain and body. So it's that balance for parents between, you know, understand and know the kids you have and then balance everybody's body budget as much as you can so that you can nudge people out of their comfort zones or I should say expand their comfort zones when things don't always go according to a plan. So I'll, I'll give you an example. The best way, quickest way to balance body budgets is with sleep. If people aren't getting enough sleep, then they are really going to struggle. And it's not a choice. They're not choosing to be obnoxious. They just aren't operating at their, their full capacity. Another thing is nutrition. So over the holidays, we often eat differently, right? Maybe more sugar, less water, right? More alcohol, all those kinds of things. That has a real impact. And, you know, regardless of what your feelings are and what people should or shouldn't be eating, the bottom line is that anytime you change something in your nutrition, your body budget's going to be impacted. So, you know, making sure your kids are getting enough water, making sure that they know that there are choices available besides, you know, all of the delicious Christmas cookies so that they can make choices that are going to feel good for them as well. But another really, really big one is movement. For adults, that might look like going to the gym or playing their sport. But for kids and teens, it's literally just play. The more movement they get, the more balanced body budget is going to be. And if you think about the holidays where you're on long car rides or you're on a plane ride and then you're in someone else's house having these events, maybe there isn't a backyard, maybe there isn't a park nearby. If kids and teens aren't getting enough movement, that's going to show up in their behavior. So there's all of these things. And this is stuff I'm going to get much more in depth on in the private podcast. But these are things that you can think about kind of proactively. You think, okay, we know that tonight we've got that big family party. So let's make sure this afternoon we're not also doing another organized activity. Let's think about getting some downtime, getting some screen-free downtime, getting outside to play because fresh air is amazing for the body budget, making sure everybody has lots of fruits and vegetables Mm -hmm. earlier in the day so they can just go to town on the dessert buffet later And they'll already have had some of those nutrients that their body budget needs. You know, load them up on water ahead of time. Little things that you can do ahead of time 
to proactively balance that body budget so that when everyone gets to the event, they're already set up for success in a, in a better way than if they were rolling in tired and already feeling depleted. Well, you just summed me up, but I'm like, I need this. I need to not have three events on the same day. And if I am going to do an event, I need to go outside. Funny you say, I need to take this into my own. I use it with clients all the time because it's so relevant to just human behavior in general, right? Kids do well if they can. If they can't, something is getting in their way. And around the holidays, that behavior often looks like they're being disrespectful or ungrateful. And that's a button for a lot of parents. They pour so much time and energy and care into creating this vision for their family. If the kids respond in a way that doesn't match the parental expectations, then it, it can be really upsetting if everyone's body budgets are depleted. But if as a parent, you're feeling pretty good, you have more patience. And it's funny, I actually was working with clients the other night where the dad was like, yeah, so now I'm talking about body budgets with my colleagues at work. Like the other day I said to somebody like, bro, you're looking kind of tired. How's your body budget? And he was like, I realized they don't know what I'm talking about. Well, honestly, I'm just like, I've spent a lot of time learning about nervous system regulation and I've never heard this term before I heard it from you. And I think it's such a great metric that you can use to describe how you're feeling and be able to communicate that to your partner, be able to communicate that to your children or even your parents. If you let them in on the lingo, you know, I think it can help Mm -hmm. the whole family as a whole. It really does. And it gives everyone a common language. Yeah, that's important because... Communication tends to be lacking in a lot of families, at least mine, from my own personal lived experience. And so having that communication language and being able to say, you know what, this is what I have available to me because I need to expand my body budget. (laughs) You know, I I think that it would be beneficial for everyone out there to learn more about it and implement it. So definitely go to the show notes and check out the private podcast because she's going to be going more in depth on this in that private podcast episode. One question I wanted to ask you is when you know that your kids are going to be home for two weeks, maybe three weeks, depending on how long your school's winter breaks are, I think it's important to make plans ahead of time. It seems only logical that you would do that (laughs) so that, you know, you get to winter break and you budget in the downtime, you budget in the events and the festivities. But why do you think it's important for parents to plan ahead for the holiday break? It's super important for everyone in the household to plan for the holiday break because if the parents are making all the plans then they're the ones setting the expectations. And it. there's some kids who, even when their body budgets are balanced, they're just built that if they're being told what to do, they're not going to do it. So by 
proactively planning out what you want your holidays to look like, start with a family brainstorming session. I love whiteboards. I love post-it notes. I'm a huge proponent of family meetings anyway. I do a lot of work with my parent clients on how to establish a, a democratic household. And family meetings are a big part of that. So having a pre-holiday family meeting where everyone can just lay out their wish list, right? And that doesn't mean everyone's going to get what they want, but it gives everyone in the family an opportunity to see, it gives everyone a voice for starters. And most people just want to be heard and then they're okay with things not going their way right. as long as they were respectfully heard. It gives everyone a chance to see where the commonalities are right? It's possible that if you've got three kids, there's one event they actually all want to do. So that makes that part really easy. It opens the door for negotiating because negotiating is a skill that you're going to need through your whole life, right? It's an opportunity to learn to consensus build. Right. But when you look at what your plans for the holiday are through your family's values, it also creates the opportunity to say, this is a really packed schedule this is not going to match our family's value of balancing body budget. So what things are we going to let go of this year? And how are we going to sort of break the news to the people that we're not going to do those things with? And what are the things that we do really want to do? And then you sort of look at it and you say, okay, within these planned activities, it's like you said, where are we going to make sure there's lots of blank space for that play, for that movement? And there are a million other things that boost body budgets that I will get into in the other episode. But all of those things, you can't mandate now is playtime, but you can open up blank space in the calendar so that it can happen naturally. And it's interesting that, you know, so many parents have said to me, I feel like I need to take my kids out of the house. I need to get them to go places or they just get, they just get rangy. And the thing that I encourage them to try is what if you stayed home more, but set up the environment so they have more choice, more autonomy, more opportunities to kind of let creativity bubble up in that, that downtime, that unplanned downtime. And the other piece that's hugely important for body budgets, but also for just growing up to be a good human, for empathy, for perspective taking, Plan some service to others in your holiday time. I mean, plan it anyway in your lives because it's a really amazing gift that you can give to the world. But it's also an incredible protective factor against things like depression and anxiety that often pop up more during the holidays. So having that opportunity as a family to come up with ways that you're going to contribute to the greater society is really, really valuable and a great way to spend your time. Having that sense of purpose is really good for the body budget as well. I love that idea. My stepdad actually, there was a food bank that our church did a lot of work with when I was younger. And so we would go help out at the food bank and deliver bags of food to different families. And it's something I recently started doing a few years ago. You know, I'm a musician. And so I would go to um, a food kitchen and I would play music for them at the holidays. And that was my contribution of giving back because it was something that I've 
been a part of since childhood. And I think it's important for children to see those environments. I think it's valuable because one, it makes us be very thankful for what we have. That's really important. I know it it did that for me as a child because, you know, I think whenever you're a kid, you get caught up in, I want this gift, give me, give me, give me. And then you see other kids and it's like, you know what? I'm thankful for what I have and anything that I get as a gift is a blessing. And so I think that service component, I've never heard anybody actually talk about that, but I think that is a wonderful tip. And I think it creates thoughtful, tiny humans. It really does. You know, being able to see everyone in the world as a human, not as this us versus them. My master's thesis was on service learning and a lot of the challenges with the concept of service learning, of, you know, these sort of white middle-class or wealthy schools sending students to places elsewhere in the world and having them go there to perform some sort of service but they were going thinking that they were helping when really, it, I mean, the last thing, the places they were going needed was more unskilled labor. You know, I remember doing my research in Nicaragua <laughs> and we asked the folks there, like, what, what do you want when, if we're going to bring a group of students here, what do you want? And they said, well, we want them to listen. We want them to talk to us. We want them to learn from what is happening here and then take that back to where they came from and make change there. We don't need another crooked wall or, you know, badly painted school. <laughs> what we need is for them to take these lessons. Right. And the piece I was working on was helping students get past that, oh, I'm so lucky, you know, that I, that I live where I live and move on to, you know, what are the commonalities in human experience and how can I use the resources that I have to actually make a difference in the world based on what other people have identified as their own wants and needs, not based on what I think they need. And that's one of the really cool things about using service to others in your family is kids get a chance to do research. Don't just decide that you want to do this thing for someone else. You know, a random act of kindness for someone that you know, that's great because you know who they are, you know what they need, you know how to connect with them. But if you're thinking of doing something for a local nursing home or a local food bank, call, talk to folks there, find out what they actually need and want. And if that aligns with what you can provide, then do that. You know, so it's, it's a matter of the desire to provide that service to others and matching it with what is actually wanted and, and needed. And then that creates this opportunity for kids and teens and parents to really see humanity. And then when they grow up, hopefully we avoid a lot of the challenges that the world is facing right now. I think that's great. And I honestly wish I could just clip that and send it Mm. to all of the church mission trips (laughs) because that's a message they need to hear. So Kate, on the private podcast, we've been talking about it throughout this whole episode, but can you share with us a little bit more about what you're going to be going into on a deeper level. Yes. So we're going to be focusing it on holidays, but everything that is in it can be applied to, you know, parenting and life in general. We're going to be looking at 
body budgeting and how to use it to proactively set your family up for success. Use it to give your kids and teens an opportunity to expand their comfort zones. And we're also going to get a lot more into where you can give yourself permission to let some things go, how you can advocate for yourself and your kids with other family members, just all kind of all the things that go along with the stress of the holiday season and and some real concrete strategies that you can use to get through it with joy and really connected families as opposed to exhausted, like so many of us used to be at the end of the holidays. So everybody, make sure to go to the show notes and click on the link and you will be able to access our private podcast. Make sure that you follow and subscribe to that so that you get all of the new episodes every time one comes out. Kate, if people want to connect with you, how can they reach you on social media or on your website? So social media, they can find me at Guided Parenting Support. And if they want to go to my website, it is guidedparentingsupport.com. Easy peasy. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I really enjoyed this conversation. And like I said, if you're listening, make sure you go to our show notes, check out the private podcast and make sure to connect with Kate on social media and on her website because she is full of wonderful parenting resources. Thank you for listening to the Holiday Survival Podcast. If you enjoyed the show and you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a rating and a review so that other people can see just how wonderful this podcast series is. We also have a private podcast series featuring our expert guests where they will be guiding you through this season with their patented methods to help you thrive during what can be a very hard time of year. To learn more about how you can subscribe to the private podcast series or for more information about our expert guests, please go to the show notes or holidaysurvivalpod.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope that you have a wonderful holiday season.